Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 123, 123 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. And you know what, Cheryl? I get today's theme. <laughs> today's theme is gun vote. Yeah, it doesn't really require too much explanation, but do you think that's going to stop me? No, it's not going to stop me. I'm going to explain it anyway. So, gun vote. How do you vote? Now, I don't mean whether or not you mail in your ballot or if you drive to the polling booths. I mean... How do you make an educated and informed vote? Do you just listen to the TV and radio ads? Or do you meet personally with the candidates by attending town halls and candidate forums? Do you have a family meeting to include the younger members of your family in the process? Or do you just wing it? I'm afraid, actually, that way too many of us just wing it and rely on our memory of what name we heard most often in those TV and radio ads. I own a couple of small businesses, and I hire people to work in those businesses. When I hire them, I don't and I can't just wing it because it is too important for me to know what their background, education, experience, and level of dedication is. So when I'm hiring someone, I take the time to know as much as I possibly can about them. When they become a part of my staff, what they say and do represents me my husband, our family brand, and the other people who endorse us, and every one of my other staff members. It is my responsibility to be sure that I am making a sound, sober, and educated decision. When you cast your vote, you are hiring someone. You are hiring this person to represent you your values, and your vision of our nation that will be handed down to your children and your children's children. It is not something to be taken lightly and not something that should be entrusted to a gut feeling when you're standing in the voting booth. In our family, we do hold a family meeting. Our daughter Cassie has even been known to invite her friends over to be a part of these meetings. It seems that few parents are helping their children to understand that voting isn't an event, it is a process. 
Cassie's friends have enjoyed the time to wrestle with ideas and debate one another over the pitfalls and merits of one candidate or issue over another. They've had the opportunity to work together to research the wording, which can sometimes be confusing on some of the bills and initiatives. And this is vital. They are free to make up their own minds. Our only ground rule, which actually only applied to our daughter, was that she had to be able to answer the question, why? Why do I like this candidate? Why would he or she be effective in the job? Why would things be better or worse if we passed or rejected this specific bill? It is a powerful word, why. It helps us move the topic from our emotional reactions about it up into our logical and intellectual interactions with it. Some votes might feel good, but what will actually do good for America? Why also helps remove the knee-jerk reaction to simply vote along political party lines. Some politicians wear one letter while behaving more like they play for the other team. So by engaging our why, it no longer matters as much if there is a D or an R next to their name. For me, I am a single issue voter. The Second Amendment, period. And here is why. The stance a politician takes concerning the Second Amendment is more revealing than they would like to think. Wrapped up in one issue are that politician's attitudes toward my civil rights, my personal rights, my human rights, my women's rights, and the rights of their minority and lower socioeconomic constituents. You see... Those who are anti-gun are also anti-civil, human, personal, women's, and minority rights. We call them what they are, the rights restrictors. They ask for my vote to expand their power, and at the same time, they want to limit my liberty and freedom. To help with sorting all of this out, the National Shooting Sports Foundation has GunVote Facebook and Twitter pages where you can stay on top of the latest real news about laws and issues related to firearms and freedom. It is easy to get confused and tripped up because the rights restrictors like to muck things up with common sensey sounding words and ads that appeal to your heart and your emotions. It is helpful to have sound and intelligent information at your fingertips, and GunVote helps with that. So, while you're considering our votes at every level of government, we have lots of issues to weigh out, such as securing our borders and keeping politicians' hands out of our pockets with the way they view taxes. But for me, I will always support the people who support the Bill of Rights 
and protect our Second Amendment that shall not be infringed with my and their gun vote. Dan? That's good, Cheryl, but you know what? I'm going to save all my comments for the for the end of the day, for the uh, responsibly armed citizens report oh that we have, because I'm so afraid. Let me of just that. say this: I got a lot to say about that one. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of it. Just you're gonna have to stick around to find out why he is so eager to get to that piece of the show. But she's probably um, gonna hope that I leave the room before it starts, because if not, we're just gonna need to have Ed on the kill switch. That just. Be ready with the button. Okay, so who do we have coming on the show today? Well, first of all, there's no kill switch because Ed is in <laughs> agreement with me. We're all talking about this. I'm going to reach over the board and find it myself. Where's the, the plug for the wall? Just pull I'm excited for a guest today. We have mm-hmm. Kelly Ward. Mm-hmm. Kelly Ward, Dr. Kelly Ward is a former Arizona state senator and 2018 candidate for U.S. Senator for the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. We have Michael Johns. He's a National Tea Party Movement co-founder and leader. Michael is also a healthcare executive and former White House speechwriter and Heritage Foundation policy analyst. Mm-hmm. We have Robert Patillo. He's an attorney, civil and human rights activist, talk show host, political commentator, and national speaker. He's here to talk to us about our Second Amendment rights as they pertain to civil rights. Absolutely. On our second hour, we have Moses Sanchez. He is a Republican candidate for the office of mayor of Phoenix, Arizona, the fifth, I can't believe it, Mm -hmm. largest metropolitan city in the United States. Moses is an immigrant, veteran, educator, educator, and business owner who wants to use his diversity and experience and commitment to service in the office of mayor of Phoenix. Okay, I need help with this one. You do? Yep. John Anoni? Okay, John Anoni. It's okay. so simple. Well, yeah, but my, my it's kind of... Okay, the, the move printer. on. He's the founder of Camp Compass and Hunting Awareness in Allentown, PA. Uh, Camp Compass is a nonprofit program development for urban disadvantaged young youth making a difference in the inner city by providing hunting, fishing, archery, tutoring, and social guidance and other outdoor youth activities. So I heard about John in a book I'm reading called Conquer Anything by Greg Stubbe, who was one of our guests recently. So it was exciting to be able to connect with him. And then we have Alan Gottlieb, the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. The SAF was instrumental in the recent lawsuit involving Cody Wilson and the 3D gun printing issue. If all that you've heard about this issue is from the media and politicians, you likely have heard it all mixed up and wrong. So Alan will help us sort out the facts from the fiction. And also, they have an event coming up in Chicago. They do, and I love that it's in Chicago. It's the Gun Rights Policy uh, Conference, the GRPC. And um, we've been a part of that organization for not not as long as we should have, but three or four years. And this will be, I think, the fourth year in a row they've asked me to speak. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, it's just a great gathering and a free gathering of uh, patriots, Second Amendment patriots. Yeah, I want to ask Alan if he thinks that the mayor of Chicago is going to be there. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. But Probably not. <laughs> I, I, d- I doubt that. We too. also have our responsibly armed citizen report and Dan's commentary. Mm, probably won't make it because uh, we have the responsibly armed citizen report <laughs> with a lot of comments on that one. 
Um, you're not going to get to. What, what was that? Was it Austin Powers where the guy was like, I got a whole bag of sh for you. <laughs> zip, zip it. Zippity long stockings. So You're not going to want to zip me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. All right. Well, we're going to run to commercial. And when we come back, we will have Dr. Kelly Ward uh, on with us. She is a former state senator for Arizona and is currently running for U.S. senator for the state of Arizona. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyer. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And this show is also a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Find out more and check out all of the great content at selfdefenseradio.net. Well, our theme today is gun vote. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to sort out who, who do you want to vote for and why do you want to vote for them. And one of the best ways is to actually talk to some of them, which we are about to do. And somebody who very much values our Second Amendment rights and our gun vote. And that is Dr. Kelly Ward. She is a former Arizona state senator and is currently a 2018 candidate for U.S. Senator for the state of Arizona. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ward. Hi, Cheryl. It's great to be with you. I think that we are, are in the clear on self-service. Um, you know, I'm on the <laughs> campaign trail every single day, and today yes. I happen to be in Mojave County. 
and, uh, and but I think I'm in a good cell service spot for us. Oh, fantastic. I know sometimes those uh, gremlins just like to come in and, and knock us off the air, but uh, I think you sound good and strong, and uh, if, if you drop, just call right back. Um, perfect, perfect. So here's what I wanted to chat with you about. We have elections happening all over this nation. And naturally, Danny and I are focused on candidates who do and will protect our Second Amendment rights. And we talk a lot about the gun vote. So when ballots have more than one Republican competing for votes, sometimes people just automatically assume if you've got an R by your name that you're going to be like, you know, a, a guard dog for our constitutional rights. And I don't know that that's always the case. So what can you do to help people decide like, who could best represent, like, how do they sort that kind of thing out? Right. Well, you know, it, it's been very frustrating. And I've been talking about this a lot with people recently because they said, has the Republican Party changed? Mm. Well, what has caused the Republican Party to change is that there are people who are willing to put an R behind their name when they don't stand firmly on our platform, mm -hmm. including with the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's very clear that in this race, there's one person that's a champion for the Constitution and for our Second Amendment rights, and that's me, Dr. Kelly Ward. I'm endorsed by Gun Owners of America. I'm endorsed by the National Association for Gun Rights, two very staunch advocates. For, for those of us who are law-abiding gun owners and, and protecting our rights to keep uh, and, and bear arms to protect ourselves, our families, our property. And uh, I'm a lifetime member of the NRA as well as the AZCDL. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was really pleased. I saw a mailer that the National Association for Gun Rights did that pointed out that my opponent in this race is no friend of gun owners. So we, you know, we've got a clear choice ahead of us. And if you're if you're voting, if you're a single issue candidate on the Second Amendment, I am your only choice. But if even if you care about border security and repealing Obamacare and growing the economy and cutting spending and taking care of our veterans and making sure our military is strong, I also am your only choice. I'm the best choice that's out there for us as the Republican nominee, the one person who can defeat the Democrat on the other side of the aisle as well as it's the person that's going to stand up for you and be your voice and be your backbone and bring your great ideas to the floor of the United States Senate. Wow, that's awesome. So you touched on one of the other really important issues, and of course it's an issue here in Arizona, but it's a nationwide issue, and that is protecting our, our borders. Your constituents are passionate about securing our borders because we live right here, right? If yes. not for our nation's sovereignty, then to help protect the young children who are being transported in dangerous ways by dangerous people and for horrible yep. purposes. So am I overstating the problem that child sex trafficking is as it is connected to our porous borders? Oh, my gosh, Cheryl, you're exactly right. And, you know, I, I have always been an advocate of building the wall. We know that for decades, not having a wall certainly hasn't worked. That way back in 1986, President Reagan, who is definitely one of my favorite presidents, very conservative, a patriot, loved this nation, a happy warrior, that he, you know, he feels like, you know, he felt like he made a big mistake when he granted amnesty and then trusted Congress to deliver on border security. Mm. So it didn't happen then, and it's led to where we are now. So mm -hmm. we definitely need to build the wall because people are trafficking in weapons and in, in drugs 
and in people. Mm. And it's not just children, it's women too. And sometimes it's young men. Mm. And they are subjected to horrific, horrific um, things that we, we shouldn't even have to, to think about. And our lax immigration laws and our open borders have been just a, a way for them to exploit our own laws against us and to torture really women and children especially that are being brought across that open border it's got to stop uh you know it, it it's one of the reasons i said that the Goodlap bill was a bad bill and that that the ryan bill was a worse bill both of which my opponent voted for because they were big amnesty bills rewarding people for doing things the wrong way uh, granting amnesty in one case to almost 700,000 people here illegally and in the, the second 2.2 million and there are entities out there, including the Arizona Republic, that don't want us to think of that as amnesty. Well, mm. you know, I'm a law and order person. Mm-hmm. I want a secure border. I want to stop trafficking. I want to stop the opioid epidemic, the crisis that our, our country is facing. And so much of that is coming across our border in our state in Arizona through that Tucson sector. It's got to stop. I agree. So. Uh, Next question is, I know that many high-profile people who are directly connected to President Trump have endorsed and are actively supporting your campaign. Just wondering, do you anticipate President Trump to weigh in personally on our Arizona elections this year? Well, you know, it, it's hard to tell because President Trump is President Trump. You don't know what <laughs> what he's going to you know do in terms of endorsement. So of course, I'd love to. That's right. I would love to have his support, um, but I don't think it's the most important thing in this race. I think the most important pe- point and the most important piece is having the endorsement of the voters of our great state. Now, of course, they're looking to leaders in uh, you know around in the in the political world and people that they trust. To, to kind of point them in the right direction in many cases. And that's why I'm glad I have the Citizens citizens for Trump is endorsing me in this race. Senator Rand Paul is endorsing me in this race. My congressman, Congressman Paul Gosar, who I think is one of the staunchest conservatives and one of the bravest people in Washington because he has stood up again and again and again against leadership. Um, remember, he didn't vote for Boehner. He didn't vote for Ryan. And he's still been able to be one of the most effective legislators in Washington, D.C., and he was unafraid to call out somebody that's in the Arizona delegation who isn't doing the job and who he doesn't think was doing the job in Congress but certainly can't do the job in the Senate, um, in in my opponent. And so I'm I'm so happy to have their support. Uh, You know, people like um, Congressman Steve King and Congressman Dana Rohrabacher, uh, if you have seen, I've seen all of these, Facebook posts from the conservative campaign committee. They are amazing. They're traveling all over the state. They're doing sign waves. They, they get our supporters to come out and join them. And it just looks like so much fun. I can't wait to be able to catch up with them and, and talk to some of the people that they're seeing. But you can see it right on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, Joe Wizervicki and, uh, and crew, uh, Lloyd, Marcus Lloyd, he's out there writing articles. And they really are fighting to make sure that we have a constitutional conservative Republican that loves liberty in the United States Senate from our great state. Now, on the other hand, you've got never-Trumpers, establishment people um, like Susan Collins coming out for my opponent. You've got Hugh Hewitt describing Martha as a McCain Republican, as though anybody in our state wants another one of those. Mm. So things are looking great. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you talk about uh, some of the, the people that are supporting you, 
and the first name you mentioned, I mean, he is such a strong Second Amendment supporter that if you've got his vote, if you got his endorsement, then uh, Paul Gosar, then you, uh, I, I mean, that I don't think it can get any better endorsement than that. Uh, when for, if you're looking for somebody that really knows the Constitution and loves and values their Second Amendment rights, so that's pretty exciting. Yep. It is. It is. It's. I mean, and it's wonderful. And I'm traveling, really, Cheryl. You know, I'm traveling all over the state. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, yesterday I was in Yavapai. Last night I was back in Maricopa. Today I'm in in Mojave. Friday I'm going to be in Pima in Tucson. Because I really want to develop real relationships with the people of our state Mm -hmm. that will be long-lasting and meaningful when I'm in the United States Senate so that people have someone that they understand is honest and open and authentic, but also accessible to them. The senators shouldn't only be accessible to the upper echelon, to the people who have given them massive campaign contributions, to the special interest groups and the lobbyists inside the Beltway. Our senators should be accessible to us, and I'm working very, very hard to make that happen so that we can get back to what our founders envisioned, a true representative republic. Absolutely. And one of the things that when you and I have met personally a few times, and one of the things that always uh, struck me and that I came away feeling is that you are not a politician. It does I don't I don't feel that off of you at all. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you appear as though you're someone who wants to really be a public servant. Now, a politician, I think, generally serves their own ambitions and serves themselves. But a public yeah. servant has their priorities straight and is really there to represent their constituency. Um, and that, that's just my own personal observation. Um, and, and then you backed it up by what you said, what, what your goals are. So what other things do you think sets you apart from the, the other candidates that are in the, in, in the running? Yeah, well, Cheryl, I mean, that just that touches my heart that you would say so many nice things. Um, and really, that's how I strive to, to, um, to work. I want to be a servant leader. I want to be someone who puts, you know, service above self. I'm, I'm a Rotarian. I have been for uh, since about 2005, 2006. And service above self is a big part of, of that organization and of my life in particular. And, you know, I want to be the voice of the people. I want to be somebody who goes to the Senate and brings those great ideas that people all around Arizona have that can move this country in the right direction. And I think that I, I, you know, I have been pretty fearless in standing up for the things that I hold dear and that many people in Arizona hold dear, our faith, our family, and our freedom. And if we don't have people who are proud and strong to stand up for those things, then we can we can very quickly turn uh, the way that Bernie Sanders and this Alex, you know, Cortez and and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Keith Ellison and all these uh, Maxine Waters, Mm -hmm. the direction that they want us to go is is horrible. And I mean, cinema, Kirsten Cinema is right there with these radical leftist progressives who want to move our country towards socialism. And we have to have someone who will hold the light high, shine, shine it on corruption in both sides of, you know, on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. and truly work for the people. And that's what I offer to, to people, competence, qualification, uh, you know, compassion, all of those things, but also 
that authenticity and honesty that many times is missing in the political arena. Well, I appreciate it so much. And I know that you are heading down the road and we are about out of time. So just real quickly, as we go out, Dr. Kelly Ward, could you just tell people how do they find out more about your campaign, maybe help uh, with donations or volunteerism? Because we are kind of coming into the home stretch here. Yeah, well, everybody can go to my website, kellyward.com, K-E-L-L-I-W-A-R-D.com. You can find out a lot of information there. You can also join us on social media at Kelly Ward, A-Z. Always remember it's Kelly with an I because I care about the people. You can find us, and, and you can sign up. You can, you can contribute. There's no amount that's too small that can't help at this point. Um, there is an amount that's too much. It's $2,700, so no more than that. Mm-hmm. But anything up to and including that goes a long way. Um, get on the phones. There are multiple options to get involved by making phone calls in the next 13 days. Help us get our people to the polls. Help us get a senator that Arizona can be proud of. And I can promise everybody out there, when you send me to Washington, I will not let you down. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kelly Ward, running for U.S. Senator for the state of Arizona. Bye-bye now. Bye, Cheryl. Thank you. All right. Well, stick around because we have Michael Johns waiting in the wing. He is the co-founder and leader of the National Tea Party Movement. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. 
We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we're glad you're here with us today. And if you've missed any portion of today's show, please be sure to check our website for the recording, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On Demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content, all 122 other episodes. And if you want to put a face with a voice, click on the guest tab. There is a guest page for every guest we've ever had on. There's photos and links to their interviews or books that they've written or or videos that have been made about them. It's just a wonderful resource and we don't hate it when you spend some time there. So we are excited about our next guest who is the National Tea Party Movement co-founder and leader, Michael Johns. So Michael is also a healthcare executive and former White House speechwriter for George H. Bush, the dad, and Heritage Foundation policy analyst. So welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, it's a pleasure. How are you? Very, very good. I'm super excited to have had a chance to catch up with you. Uh, You are a very busy dude. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and I just want to, you know, kind of dial it back and take us back a few years ago and ask you, how did you come to found a new political party? I mean, that doesn't just happen every day. Yeah. And, um, you yeah, know, so if you and I wouldn't really consider the Tea Party movement necessarily a political party. It's really been a movement predominantly within the Republican Party. Um, and it's, you know proven hugely politically successful and it's uh, redefined in a lot of ways a more idea-based more principle-based uh, position but it really uh, if you go back to like 2008 election there was a lot of uh, I think frustration among American people uh, with the direction of the country um, and particularly for those who may not have supported um, say Obama or had been um, with uh, you know, Pelosi running the House and Harry Reid running the Senate, there really was nowhere to go for right of center uh, political thinking at that time. And I think there was a lot of frustration in the media culture that generally was pretty left to center. And a lot of people started to look around and say, you know, I don't really recognize this place like I used to. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the Tea Party movement sort of offered an avenue for them to become politically engaged. Um, a lot of them, I think, had their positions reaffirmed they you know learned more and as part of their involvement but ultimately the success of the Tea Party movement was this political success in the sense that it took back the House of Representatives in 2010 took back the, the U.S. Senate in 2014 and really in my judgment laid the grounds like for a populist political movement that ultimately was the foundation that allowed Donald Trump to run really against the the Republican Party I mean even though he hmm. ran as a Republican he ran against mm-hmm. the party structure first time in our lifetime that that's really occurred Mm -hmm. absolutely that you know that is really incredible and so how how did all of that come about you're the co-founder and so um you had help with this and how did you kind of begin getting the groundswell and and feeling the pulse of people that that wanted to be maybe more connected with the the founding father's original intent for the constitution Right. And that was really a primary motivating factor. Uh, you know, there's things you do in life that are really calculating and, um, you know, are planned. And then there's things that sort of come together 
as a product of spontaneity of people's responses and reactions. And this started out, I think, more the latter. It ultimately became more the former. But, you know, there was a, um, a reporter for CNBC named Rick Santelli. He was reporting from the Comex Exchange in Chicago during the housing subsidy and gave what was now known as the famous Santelli rant against uh, against those subsidies, which were being championed at that point uh, by Congress and by the Obama administration. A lot of traders on the floor agreed with it. And a number of us who saw that live, me included, um, ended up starting a conference call and said, you know, there's some political momentum here that's like starting. Let's talk about this and what we could do. And we decided at first in these planning meetings, there was not really an, uh, an, there might have been an aspiration, but there was no expectation that we would create an ongoing political movement as it's become. But there was an aspiration that it would be, that we could have on April 15, 2009, a series of rallies around the world that would support and around the country that would support three real founding principles of the Tea Party movement, which was adherence to the Constitution, limited government, and low taxes. Mm-hmm. Three concepts usually important to the success of a free society, easily understood, and yet not really um, not really being adhered to at that time. So the simplicity of the ideas and, and was really, in some respects, the genius of them. And then offering some opportunity for people to become politically engaged when they had no existing avenue to do that was mm-hmm. hugely important as well. Absolutely. Well, what I love so much about that is we talk on this show a lot about the power of one, what one person can do when they meet up with another one person who is like-minded and another one person. Because way too often we hear people just kind of throw their hands up in resignation and say, well, you know, I'm just I'm just one person. What could I possibly do? And we... Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's entirely true. I mean, there's so much that can be done when people work together. Um, And unfortunately, it's not necessarily the instinct of of individuals to do that. But ultimately, that's where people have their most um, effects. That's where they're most effectual. Absolutely. And I think certainly if you look at the successful political movements of our time, that's been one common denominator of all of them, from the you know, civil rights movement of the 60s through the um, Tea Party movement of um, 09 and beyond. Absolutely. Well, I think that that is one of the reasons why divisiveness is such a high priority for politicians and for maybe some portions of the media Because if we aren't talking to each other, if citizens aren't talking to each other because, oh, gasp, one voted for uh, somebody with a D next to their name and gasp, somebody else voted for someone with an R next to their name. So now we can't be friends. If we aren't able to talk to each other, then we have to look to the media to find out what's going on out there. Right. And then we have to look to the politicians to, oh, please save us from the mess that we're in. And uh, too many of us are falling for that. And uh, I think that it's important for us to to shake ourselves out of that once in a while and and remember the power of when people can come together. I think really when you look at at the lessons of history in the United States, um, individuals that have been able to organize in um, assertive, uh, collaborative means toward a common end 
have very often and almost always proven effectual. And in some respects, one of the reasons we drew on the iconic Tea Party name was that it was exactly that. A, you know, the American Revolution was, in all respects, um, you know, a number of committed, bright individuals. They didn't necessarily agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't of a uniform stripe, but they all shared a burning desire for American independence and for American freedom, ultimately for the American Constitution and the freedoms that are comprised in that Constitution. And, you know, I think that's kind of a spirit that needs to live on in the United States. So I guess the only frustration we have, in, at least the primary frustration I have in 2018, is that the country is remains so politically divided. Mm. And the balancing act of trying to forge consensus and yet stand for something in American politics simultaneously is one of the biggest challenges I think that all of us feel. And I'm hoping that we can have a little more unity, at least around commonly agreed upon principles that we know are essential to the success of a free society. Absolutely. So as you've said, the Tea Party isn't specifically a political party. It's more of a a movement. It's a a grassroots movement. Um, But we see these kinds of things, whether it's a party or a movement, we see them evolve, we see them stray and so forth. And so I'm just wondering, since you're a co-founder, like where is it compared to what you had originally intended or envisioned? Um, To be blunt and honest about it, which I try to be, I think there's been um, difficulty with cohesiveness at times and collaboration. Um, I think individuals that are right of center are many times individuals and they're prone to that sort of of individualist approach to their work and, and personal life. And when you try to introduce a common uh, undertaking that really ultimately requires participation, collaboration, division of labor, all the things that you would traditionally see organizationally, that becomes difficult for individuals that haven't worked in organizational structures and environments. That's the biggest challenge that I feel that we face. There's always propensity, particularly among, I think, people that are politically passionate to um, have friction on, on things that at the end of the day aren't really all that important on divisions that aren't really all that deep mm-hmm. and to allow the, the commonly held views to be forgotten uh, in exchange for, you know, argument or divisiveness over issues that are really less fundamental at the end of the day. That's the challenge. And obviously, I don't think that's new to us or unique to us. It's been something that's confronted um, any organizational uh, structure or or political movement, you know, in the history of, of the world, really. So that's been the biggest, I think, challenge. And then I think the other thing is just that we, uh, and I think most members of the Tea Party movement would, would say they've experienced this, is that in a lot of ways, it's the movement, you know, it's difficult with a, a political media culture that is so hostile mm-hmm. to right-of-center ideas, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that I think we, we're not expecting favoritism or special handling, but there's been such an inclination in at least mainstream media to have this very far left of center bias that's mm-hmm. driven a lot of the political culture. And so for those individuals who may not be active politically, but try to stay generally on top of what's going on, the frustration is, you know, the difficulty that you might have getting the story out or the position out right. or bring or, you know, 
communicating the human dimension of all the of what we're doing. Right. Oh, we all know that exists, but that's always a challenge mm-hmm. um, when you have a, a sort of political culture and a media elite that aren't inclined to really shine a light on that aspect of it. Very good. Uh, I think honestly, there's going to be some victimization of of you know these anti-Trump left the center movements too, mm-hmm. but they seem to be handled much more with kid gloves than, um, than we were. So that was one of the, mm-hmm. that was and remains one of the great challenges sure. that we knew when we started this. And one of the reasons we did start it was that we did not have institutional power or sure. money, uh, or communications vehicles behind what we were doing that those maybe on the more far left side of the political spectrum, already had and so it's not always been a fair fight but we have done well with it nonetheless absolutely well we are out of time um i need to to let you go for now but we're going to check back in with you and and see how things are going uh you know as we're leaning into the next presidential election which you know already is getting ready to ramp up um and i know that you're you're Tea Party ideals are very much going to be a part of that. And so I appreciate so much the time that you've spent with us. And as we go out, just very quickly, uh, tell folks how they can follow all the work that you continue to do and the Tea Party movement continues to do. Uh, Michael Johns, the co-founder of the National Tea Party movement. Right. I guess the two easiest ways are um, Twitter and Facebook are both great vehicles on uh, Twitter. It's just my name, Michael Johns, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-J-O-H-N-S. And on Facebook, my page is Michael Johns Tea Party. And both of those um, are good vehicles for following both the work that I'm engaged in and the work of the, the Tea Party movement broadly. Very good. Thank you again so much, Michael Johns. Of Anytime. National Tea Party Movement. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, stick around. We still have Robert Patillo on the other side of these messages. He's going to be talking with us about our Second Amendment rights as they pertain to civil rights. Very interesting. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun-buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun-buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun, and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are excited to bring our next guest on, Robert Patillo. He's an attorney, 
a civil and human rights activist, a talk radio host, a political commentator, and a national speaker. He is here to talk with us today about our Second Amendment rights as they pertain to civil rights. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having me on. Excited to have you on. So I saw your appearance uh, not so long ago on the Ingram Angle, and you were supporting the Second Amendment as a civil rights issue, and we rarely hear that actually spoken out loud. So I I got excited and reached out to you uh, because I would like to discuss that for our listening audience. Um, you know, I was recently speaking speaking on the steps of the Supreme Court building in D.C. at a rally that celebrated the 10th anniversary of the Heller versus D.C. Second Amendment decision. And we were all of the speakers were being shouted down by people holding ACLU signs. And so mm-hmm. I think that sometimes people get confused about the importance of guns in protecting our civil, our women's and our humans rights. And I, I just wanted to pick your brain and get your thoughts on all of that. Absolutely. Well, one of the uh, things that I find interesting about the political alliances that we have in America is that often they make little to no sense at all. (laughs) Uh, So we see gun rights as being a conservative issue because it's often the people who are pushing it. So we associate it with, you know, Republican politics or, you know, the Mm -hmm. right side of the political aisle. Mm -hmm. But realistically, uh, if you look at the history of Second Amendment issues, the history of uh, gun rights in America, you saw groups as diverse as the National Organization for Women and the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, uh, the the Student Nonviolent Violent Coordinating Co- um, Committee, all pushing for gun rights at different times throughout history, primarily because um, the First Amendment and Second Amendment are def- dispositive of other rights. Um, the power and the ability to defend oneself is absolutely a civil right that people need to be pushing for and need to support, and not saying it so much along partisan lines, but particularly along constitutional lines. Um, when I was in law school, I worked at the um, uh, a clerk for a judge in the uh, Cook County Superior Court who dealt with domestic issues. Mm-hmm. And far too often, because of the, at the time, the handgun ban, in the city of Chicago, we would see domestic violence victims come into court asking for restraining orders, asking for some protection against their abusive exes or so on and so forth, but they would have no ability to just purchase a firearm to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So the idea of protecting them from criminals actually prevented them from protecting themselves from people who were abusive. Uh, The same goes for many minority communities where you're, as you know, many Poor communities, many minority communities suffer from high crime, but mm-hmm. the abolishment or the any bans on firearms, the only per- people that's stopping from having the guns are the criminals, mm-hmm. are, are the law-abiding people, because the criminals already have guns. They don't care what the law is. That's why they're robbing you in the first place. <laughs> um, and that just makes it easier for them to commit crimes against individuals by them knowing that it's illegal for law-abiding citizens to have guns in the first place. So I think once we break down those political lines and get into a common sense conversations, if you go, you know, if you're in the South and you're around, you know, an 80 year old black lady who's been voting Democrat since 1954, she's still going to have a gun in her house mm. because she knows the importance of self-defense and knows that when you call the cops, they may or may not get to your house in time to protect you. So if we can take the gun rights conversation outside of the 
broader political conversation, but I think you form more more realistic alliances. Well, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And, uh, you know, as you were saying, the Second Amendment is for every citizen. And, and somehow we've allowed one party to sort of own it. Right. So the Democrats mm-hmm. have pretty much sort of pushed it away and the Republicans have been like, OK, we'll take it. It'll be ours. But I think there's some real dangers in in doing that because it does separate people from the, our founding documents and from uh, the, like we were saying, their civil and their human rights. So can you talk to us some more about wh- how it's dangerous to do this and what? What kind of dangers come into play when we think of dividing up our rights by class or race or political persuasion, whether it's the Second Amendment or any other right? Well, what what happens is you end up forming these strange political alliances in America, mm-hmm. uh, alliances that don't particularly make sense and that aren't particularly effective for the people at the bottom. Um, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. So on the Republican side of the aisle, let's say you have Mitt Romney who's a, you know, a billionaire. And then on the Democratic side of the aisle, you have George Soros, mm-hmm. who's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Their politics are opposite. Mitt Romney is theoretically a conservative, George Soros being a liberal. So their policy prescriptions, the things they need the government to do to benefit them, are the same, however. They want low taxes for themselves. They want low corporate regulations. They want cuts to capital gains. They want international trade. Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But they pretend to be on opposite sides of the aisle ideologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same for people at the bottom of the economy, where if you have a poor black guy, poor Mexican guy, poor white guy, they all need the same things. They need the roads paved. They need the schools to be able to educate their kids. They need um, manufacturing jobs to come back to the country. They need um, public assistance programs to create a safety net for them when they're, uh, when they're down. But what happens is the people who control the media narrative and who control political parties have figured out how to pit all those people at the bottom against each other so they're not fighting with the people at the top of the economy who are actually the ones separating them. So on this issue of the Second Amendment and being dispositive of the other rights that we have, it's really easy for somebody you know, on the, in Manhattan or in San Francisco uh, where they know as soon as they call the police, they'll be there in thirty, uh, you know, in five minutes or less, faster than dominoes to say we need to get rid of guns. <laughs> but if you live in rural America, I grew up in Waverly Hall, Georgia. If you call the cops, they're not getting there for an hour mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. There might be two police officers on duty at any given time. So you're in charge of defending yourself. If you're in an urban community and you know for a fact that the police have so many calls coming in that very rarely are they actually going to get to you in time mm-hmm. to have any effect on what happened, well, then you, well, you're going to realize that, uh, that you, have to do, you have to be able to defend and protect yourself. So I think that by having one party be the party of, the party of gun rights, it alienates an entire subset of the population who may, maybe you don't agree on the issue of taxes, maybe you don't agree on pro-life versus pro-choice, maybe you don't agree on um, you know, capital gains or whatever the other wedge issues might be, but you can agree on the issue of self-defense and gun rights. So I think that we have to take the Second Amendment issue outside of the partisan perspective, mm-hmm. not make it a Republican versus Democratic issue, but make it a people who need to defend themselves <laughs> issue versus the people who think they're supposed to control the rest of the country issue. Oh, wow. 
I I wish I could just put that on replay because I think that was so beautifully said, so articulate to help people take it out of, you know, it's not political. It is personal. It is, I, you know, the police can't just show up like magic the minute that I need them. And I might actually need to protect myself or my family. And uh, I, I would not want someone far away that has nothing to do with me or my life to have mandated that tool of protection out of my my hand. Um, beautifully said. Exactly, and, and and that's why I think that when we when we turn these things into political conversations, uh, I went to the NRA rally or not rally, but conference last year when it was in Atlanta. Uh, talked to William Lapierre, talked to many of the people on the executive board, um, and I really think that if they start breaking down those walls, breaking down the the allegiance to just being a conservative issue or a Republican issue, you'll get huge numbers of you know, Latinos, African Americans, rural Americans joining in to protect their gun rights because those are the things, those are the interests that are absolutely in their best interest. If you listen to any rap or any hip hop music over the last forty years. Nobody talks more about guns than rappers. <laughs> so true. So the fact that the NRA can't get rappers on their side just shows how entrenched they are into these political conversations as opposed to simply saying, well, we have this whole group of people who talk about guns in every single song that they make, they have it in every single TV show and movie that they make for the past half century. Let's just work on appealing to them so we can do the things that we all agree on instead Absolutely. of worry about getting, you know, any particular political party elected. I think that's going to be the next step that we have to do. Absolutely. Well, we are up against a hard break and just have a few more seconds. But as we go out, thank you so much, Robert Fatillo, for joining us. And tell folks how they can follow all the work that you do. Absolutely. Just go to my website, www.robertpatillo.com. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-P-A-T-I-L-L-O.com. Uh, on all social media, at Robert Patillo. Uh, and also you can call me at 404-590-5294. Beautiful. Thank you so much. We're going to have you back on and talk some more. This was great. Robert Patillo. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Stick around. We still have our number two coming right up with Moses Sanchez, who is a Republican candidate for the mayor of Phoenix. And before you say to yourself, I don't know, I don't live in Phoenix, you really want to hear what we're going to talk about all across the country. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. 